In Matthew 4:19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. This is Beth Laurie. I'm so glad to be with you. This is 2021, and we are still making disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, That is our mission. That is our love. That is our passion. And we're so glad that you're joining us today. I have a very special guest for you guys today. Pastor Steve Wood is with us. He's our senior pastor here at Mount Pisgah. He is involved with so many things. It might take us a while to talk about all his wonderful leadership. He's a father. He's a husband. And he's a disciple maker. (laughs) Hey, Steve, welcome. Glad to have you with us today. Hey, Beth. Thanks so much for having me on. And yeah, thanks be to God for all the opportunities before us, especially the missional opportunity to be a disciple of Jesus that's uh, making disciples of Jesus. Man, that's exciting. It is exciting. And hey, we want you guys to um, know more about Steve um, and go back and listen to his uh, podcast. He was our very first guest on the 419 podcast. That was back in January of 2019. So go to your podcast app, go to the very, very beginning, and you can hear his story, his testimony. And he also talks about the five keys of discipleship, which we know are super important in us living out the Christian life. And so it's an encouragement to you. We would love you to listen to that podcast um, and before you listen to this one or after you listen to this one. Both would be a great blessing for you today. So I get the pleasure of working with Steve and seeing him on a regular basis. And he uh, he's a brilliant man. He says wonderful things. And he mentioned the other day about just the discipling leaders and the discernment and the wisdom they need as they are investing in uh, the people that God's entrusted to them. And he made me think about the importance of that step and how we discern and how we listen to the Holy Spirit and how we also have this curriculum, and which is a great resource for our leaders. It sort of is a guide or um, a place where they can get some uh, very tactical kind of practical ways to disciple their groups. But I, I wanted Steve to come on today and talk to us a bit about how, what do you do with your group? What, what, do, what is, what does he do with his groups and what does that look like? So, <laughs> so tell us about All it, right. Steve. Sure. I'll be happy to. Uh, we just launched a new group, a uh, seven man group uh, three weeks ago. And uh, we meet once a week for 90 minutes. And uh, it's been a joy to pray and to discern over, okay, What does this unique collection of people really need? And so the first thing I would do is uh, I I would definitely recommend whoever is facilitating the groups and the co-groups spend some meaningful time in prayer because the needs, the makeup, the baggage of the people for every group is unique. And you have to kind of discern that. Generally, and there's some really good resources, as you already mentioned, on the mountpisgah.org website uh, in the 419 section, uh, the disciple-making section, on uh, resources that can be used. The five keys, which you mentioned earlier, is a very basic articulation of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in terms of five specific behaviors or disciplines that uh, Jesus invited the disciples to. 
and uh, uh, encourage them to make a priority in their life, including multiplication. So there are white paper tools like that, uh, the four calls that you can prayerfully consider. And then there's a whole plethora of uh, wider discipling resources, including books. Some are around spiritual formation. Uh, some are around a better understanding of the scriptures. Some like Dr. Robert Coleman's book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, are around the method that Jesus used and how his, his method were the men he calls, so to speak. So uh, I don't specifically follow a standard curriculum for any particular group. We try to first get to know one another, and then I try to employ listening skills to discern, all right, Lord, what would be best uh, for us to cover and share and uh, to wade into this? And uh, in this latest group, we not only covered the five keys, but we introduced a tool, an instrument, if you will, that's also available on the website, which is a prayer journaling instrument that uh, you can use to begin to develop a meaningful time of personal worship. That's like a devotional life plus a really intentional time with Jesus. And so to introduce that early in this group uh, seemed appropriate because one of the articulated needs was I, I just struggled to spend time with God. And sometimes people just need a tool or a method. Oh, that's that's excellent. A lot of a lot of wisdom in that. So you mentioned, you know, sort of the process of listening, and I think that's a that's a skill we all develop, and and definitely listening to spiritual needs. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about maybe how you do that or what that would look like? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be happy to. Generally, when you form a group uh, and uh, begin to meet uh, the participants will project upon whoever has convened that group as the person who ought to be telling them what to do. That's just a natural human response. And so listening accomplishes two things. It accomplishes, first of all, reinforcing that uh, your role may be convener facilitator, uh, but it's a collaborative investment of people being together and sharing life together. And then the second piece of that is indeed uh, the listening. And it's not just at what's being said, it's how it's being said, it's what's not being said. And uh, then uh, by body language, uh, what's being said that's not being said in other ways. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and so uh, generally people are nervous and intimidated. And then you go through a phase where, you know, everybody wants to talk about their greatest achievements. And then you go through a phase where uh, some precious person uh, uh, in some groups, many people will say, man, my testimony is so boring. And, and so what happens is, is they're kind of revealing uh, how they see themselves in whatever kind of economy that they've been accustomed to seeing, uh, especially within what you and I know to be a church that's highly imperfect, but seeking the help and love of God. Uh, so if we listen carefully enough, what we'll discern 
are some common red threads of needs. And so um, it's no surprise to me that in some of the groups, it has quickly been discerned that, okay, what we've got here is a starting place where we have people all over the board uh, in terms of their understanding of who God says they are. In other words, their self-image in Christ. And so if that's the case, then we'll wade into really beginning to understand what it means to be a child of God, made in the image of God, uh, declared righteous before the throne of God because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a softer discussion than just going to the uh, imparted and imputed holiness of God theological discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is about kind of deprocessing, defragging, uh, tearing the wounds off who the world has told us we are or uh, how guilt has been projected upon us or how hurt has affected our self-image or ridicule or uh, whatever, uh, any kind of shaming. And so that's a beautiful and helpful part of the discipleship journey because it lends itself to scriptural truth. And that scriptural truth is John 8 and 32, that the truth will, uh, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And those whom Christ set free are free indeed. And uh, that then gives kind of a common platform for us to grow to a deeper tra- a place of trust and vulnerability as we go through that. Uh, but all along the way, we discern spiritual needs, and sometimes spiritual needs arise mid-group. People lose a job, uh, their spouse walks out on them, maybe they have an illness or a death of a child, which is so tragic. And, I mean, you're a group together. Uh And so that affects not only the group dynamic, it affects everyone in the group in terms of what does it mean to be the body of Christ in this group uh, and how do we respond to one another in love, grace, compassion, and yet accountability. Wow, that's really good. I I hear the insight in that, the the sort of listening between the lines, the listening as they disclose what's happening inside of them. You know, I see that in my groups um, a lot of times in the prayer request. You know, it's it's a place where they're sharing what's going on in their life and what they're struggling with. I remember in one of my early groups, there was a woman who unfortunately was going through a divorce. It wasn't a pleasant situation for her. And she asked for um, prayer because she was struggling to forgive. And in love, in love, the other women were like, well, I, I don't I don't think I could forgive him either, which I know they were just trying to validate her her feelings and, and the emotions that she was dealing with, but it also just reminded me of the importance of the lesson of forgiveness. And uh, from that, we were able to spend a couple of weeks on uh, forgiveness and why it was important. And so I hear what you're saying, this need to really listen to what's happening in their hearts and what's happening in their lives and allow that to give uh, those Holy Spirit nudges to us so that we can um, guide them as a group and even as individuals. Yeah, you know, in the brilliance of God's plan and creation, being a part of a biblical community where the Holy Spirit is at work, what happens is is 
is that we just kind of naturally are invited into a place with one another that we wouldn't otherwise go in a social gathering, a normal conversation, and man. And so what happens is, is over a period of time, we really begin to hurt with the people who are hurting, and then we rejoice with the people who are rejoicing. And then one day we wake up and we realize, wow, I was resistant to joining this group. Uh, I actually felt like it was an obligation and a chore sometimes to come to this group. And what a miracle. Now I realize that my life wouldn't be complete without this group. <laughs> and, so, uh, and then to keep before us the idea of, okay, uh, you know, we're in this group for training, equipping, being held accountable for the purpose then of not just hoarding this great experience ourselves but then launching out and sharing that by starting other groups, inviting other people to experience the joy of what we've experienced as disciples. And it's never about how much you know, never. Right, definitely. Uh, well, And well said to that. I think that's what sets discipleship groups apart is that place that it is different from any other groups that you may be a part of. You don't have to... Uh, come with your accomplishments and your performances. It's really that place to be vulnerable and true. And I, I find that it's one of the things that keeps pe- keeps the groups together is they finally feel like this this is a different place than anything I've ever done before. And for that reason, I need a place where I can be really honest with myself and others and God. And so uh, what a nice benefit um, they are. I-, I wanted to ask you about the curriculum. So, you know, the Discipleship Council and a bunch of lay people have really worked hard to create a, a curriculum that gives sort of a three-year guide to the leaders. And I, I, I hear a lot of this struggle between using something that maybe has been used in a group before you or we know has really good traction in discipling and then still this listening to the Holy Spirit. And um, just curious if you had any particular, um, you know, way that you went back and forth between the two or how you use the curriculum. Well, uh, the good news is, is uh, the curriculum list that we have concocted, and thank you, by the way, for your leadership and for that of the Discipleship Council here, is solid. So even though there's choices between areas and how you progress over those three years, all of those have been tested, and they're solid. And so the good news is, is there's it's not like in making a decision to do this or to do that, you're going to end up with a limit or something less effective because we know that in God's hands, these have proven to be effective over the years. I think that it's best just to discern how God is leading and how is God speaking to what need. And so uh, I, I have had a group of uh, uh, in the years past where I tried to discern, okay, uh, where do I want to begin with this group? And uh, these were a group of highly successful uh, businessmen. And uh, I think by their own admission, when we first gathered, uh, we were all, we had all pretty well mastered everything in life. Okay. which is a very dangerous place to be. So I chose to start with uh, Robbie Gallaty's book, Growing Up, 
because it's such a slap in the face in terms of, wait a minute, hey, your role, you're, you were created to be a disciple of Jesus who is making disciples of Jesus, and uh, he's more the confrontive type, yeah, as opposed to something softer or gentler and, uh, we, you know, like uh, I mentioned Coleman's book or even uh, Greg Ogden's Discipleship Essentials, which is very good, but more of a systemized approach and a routine over many weeks. So hopefully that hopefully that helps, but it really is in the discerning of what you think is going to best help your folks awaken into a relationship. That's very well said. Thank you. And and so what advice would you give maybe a new leader who is discipling either one-on-one or maybe they are um, leading their group for the first time and they're trying to listen, they're trying to discern, they're looking at the curriculum, like they're trying to take it all in. What would, advice would you give them? Yeah, well, so I, this is important. Uh, number one, realize you've already succeeded by answering the call to pray over a group, putting a group together, and being willing to facilitate the group, okay? The second thing I would tell them is go ahead and die to the fact that you are not going to have the answers. Uh, you're you're not certainly not going to have all the answers, and you may end up feeling like you don't have many of the answers, but this is not about you. This is about God having the answer in this relationship with Jesus Christ for all these men. So uh, an image is be the maitre d' with grace and hospitality and help people be ushered into the presence of God and let God do God's work. Uh, The third thing I would uh, (laughs) would empathize is that don't be a slave to the curriculum. You know what Jesus said about the Sabbath, right? Yeah, a Sabbath exists for man, not man for the Sabbath. Well, curriculum exists as a resource. It does not exist in terms of being the uh, primary driver of the experience. In fact, uh, if you think about where we are, uh, here we are in 2021, we now have more information about Jesus, the Bible, God, science, and religion than any generation in history. We don't need more information. We need help trying to figure out how to apply the information we already got. And so then, you know, let me encourage you. It's not really about doing. Um, Doing will come, but doing is a very poor substitute for being. Being like being in a relationship with God. Uh, in my world, most men would much rather do for their wives because it's a more comfortable, less threatening scenario than being with their wives in a vulnerable state or in relationship and communication of the heart and sharing love languages and uh, that kind of intimacy. And so if we can just kind of model and encourage people to learn how to move through all the awkward places and phases of being in a relationship with God and with other people, man, how God can use that is just amazing. And then the final thing I would suggest is 
I would constantly remind the people in the group, man, we have come to feast on the goodness of God, but we haven't come to hoard it. We've come to feast so that we can invite other people to the banquet table and be intentional about multiplying. Oh, that was so, so important to say. Thank you for saying that. Uh, our listeners needed to hear. I know I needed to hear. There's a freedom in realizing that it's God doing all the work. Us showing up is the sometimes the hardest part of the of the battle. But uh, what a what a good important message you've had for us today, uh, Steve. Do you have any last uh, parting words for our listeners? Uh, no, I just would pray uh, encouragement on you and wisdom and discernment over you. In fact, I pray for everyone who's listening, that prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 over those wonderful believers in Ephesus, that God would pour out his spirit of wisdom and revelation upon us all for this express purpose, that we might know him more. And that's quality, not quantity and to continue to pursue to live in your call your mission don't be discouraged there are people around who can help you and encourage you and there are resources and the good people at mount pisgah uh, are always happy to try to help so god bless you guys thanks for having me on beth it's been a wonderful day Thank you, Steve. It's been so good to have you here today with us. Hey, everybody. So there are so many more resources out there on the 419 Disciple Makers uh, website. Please go out there. There's information about discernment, as Steve was teaching us today. There's videos out there. There's lessons on listening. There's the curriculum. Uh, all this stuff that he has taught us today and how to apply that in your groups would be such a blessing to you. So invite others to come and listen to this podcast. Know that you are doing what Jesus did. And for that, We are thankful and we bless you. Until next time, see you then. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. 